Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Tap into free content for e-commerce businesses looking to streamline operations and win over customers. Reports, ebooks, and webinars, Canada Post created it all for you. Download one of our free resources at canadapost.ca forward slash content. The Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local awards ceremony at startupaward.ca. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. I am excited for all kinds of reasons, but this one today is because we're going to be talking to Yana Dubinsky. She is the V. VP of Marketing and Culture at the Ottawa-based company Rebel.com. Rebel is one of Canada's leading domain name register and web host and is committed to helping people get their ideas and businesses online. Yana's been a key driver behind building
building Rebel's notable brand and culture. If you host with Rebel.com, you already know that their culture is authentic and vibrant. And even though we typically think of culture just as just an internal employee thing, Rebel's culture clearly crosses over into customer experience too. When you deal with Rebel's support team, you can feel the people behind the brand who work strategically and purposely to help your customers grow online. I'm going to repeat that, uh, Cyprian. When you deal with Rebel's support team, you can feel the people behind the brand who work strategically and purposely to help their customers grow online. They answer the phone fast with no buttons to push. Take the time to get people properly set up, and even migrate websites from other hosts over for free. And they give back to people and organizations through their Changemakers programs that provides nonprofits and social entrepreneurs discounts and support with all their products. I told you these guys were rock stars. It's no surprise Rebel.com has recently been awarded Great Place to Work certification and is a top-rated web host on Trust pilot. In today's podcast, we're going to hang out with Jana and help. And in this, in today's, I'm going to repeat that again. In today's podcast, we're going to hang out with Jana and discover how she identified and built a culture with and for her team and how marketing and culture must work symbiotically for companies to gain success and thrive. Jana, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. Hello. Thank you for having me here today. <laughs> Hello. I love it. Well, Yana, I, I, first of all, you know, I love this whole conversation around culture. And anytime I uh, have a chance to dive a little deeper into the dialogue is really special to me. But in this case, it's even more and more special to me because I'm a big fan of, uh, of Rebels. So before we, uh, we kind of dive into the deep end of the pool, you know, as entrepreneurs, we kind of like to know the end of the story first. So at the end of the conversation, what are you hoping that our uh, listeners are going to take from, from our great chat today? Um, you know, it was a hard lesson for me to learn, but I think it's, uh, it's the, that culture doesn't just matter. It can actually be a critical factor to success. Um, and for that reason, it's really worth um, putting as much thought and intention and even investment into as other maybe more obvious parts of business. And uh, when you say it was a hard lesson for you to learn, were you just kind of joking around or was it actually one of those ones you said, I got to dive into it? And, and why I asked the question, I remember when I started in business, it was a hard one for me to move from tactical plans to strategic plans. And that was a hard one for me also. So was it was it really hard for you or was it, it just come naturally? Um, you know, it was hard as a leader. It's one of those things that I think is quite different when you're an employee as part of a culture and how you contribute to it. And then to apply a leadership lens to that and realize that um, whether or not, you know, you, you you recognize you're leading the growth of your business and strategies and all of that. But sometimes I think it's easy to forget as leaders that we are leading the culture also. Mm, I love it. I love it. And, and it's, and it's got to be an ongoing thing that you uh, you focus on. Anyway, I, I work with a, a government agency that they have a culture officer just like you. Uh, she's the VP of culture. And uh, I see her consistently day by day, minute by minute. Not that I hang out with her all the time, but it's there's always that angle about how are we protecting and and portraying our, our culture. Is, 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 it, is it always a moving thing with you or is it... Uh, is it purely, no, this is the way we're going to go wrapped around with a strategy? Um, no, no, it's always a moving target and it's never done. Um, I think it's really, really important to 
uh, create a culture of listening and getting that feedback and, and that that feedback that your culture is giving you is actually about your culture and to be able to always act on that and have the space and the resources to, to create work out of, out of cultural initiatives. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, a, a clear message of rebel.com is our culture is our brand. I got to ask you, why must culture and marketing align with one another? And basically, how can entrepreneurs and their companies ensure that they remain aligned? Kind of a two-part question. Mm. You know, so often we choose to work for companies, and I think especially as entrepreneurs, to create and build companies or products that we love, and we want to use them, and we want them to exist, you know, for ourselves. Um, and our cultures are really organically created around that. It's how we work and how we communicate and the the office rituals, even if we're just one or two people that we have, and our values. And not the values the way they're written on the wall, but how those mm -hmm. values, you know, actually play out in our business approaches and our strategies and the decisions we make, and especially in the way that we interact with our um, our team or our customers or our investors. And, mm. you know, because of that, by default, your culture is a reflection of you. It's a really human and actually quite authentic part of of a business and of the people that are fueling a business. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about marketing and when it's time to launch into marketing, there's so much strategy involved in getting it right. It's a real head-based thing. You know, we put all this energy towards um, the right logo and font and color selection and, you know, perfectly articulating who it's for and creating user journeys and flows for that person. And then we, you know, package it all for Instagram. And <laughs> naturally in that process, you, you actually lose so much of yourself and so much of the people behind the product. Um, and, and I think the thing that it took me a while to realize and that Rebel has really learned through the work we've done in culture is that as customers, we still look for that person behind it. And we want to see and find that. And the brands that we really love are often because we were able to connect with the people behind it. Mm, love it. Yeah, these, um, you know, when I, when I think of Rebel, uh, you know, I think of other organizations that are kind of in the same space. And, and so I would think that this, this experience, this, this focus on culture, uh, which is aligned with marketing, you say, is, is really become an integral key piece to the sex, success of what Rebel is, uh, has done and is becoming. Um, is, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that we really came to this conclusion that sort of there's this really, really tight connection between marketing and culture in a backwards way. Um, as I said, Rebel's cultural journey started out a little rough and we put a lot of work and effort into creating the amazing culture that we have today. Um, but what we learned through working on it was that culture is what engages your staff. And when your staff are really engaged... Right then your customer support becomes amazing. You know, our, our wait times went from like 20 minutes to two. And it was 100% a reflection of just how much people cared, how passionate they were about their own role within the organization. And similarly, our products got better. And our brand, you know, just naturally kind of evolved out of that. All of those interactions with each other, they got really mangled and just became one thing. Um, and as I said, that really, it, it brought the human back into 
to it all, the whole ecosystem of the organization. I love it. When you say, uh, Yana, that uh, the Rebel started off kind of rough, is was the rough part or part of the rough the fact that uh, culture wasn't uh, a key part of your 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 business strategy, and you had to really kind of break it down again and start from scratch. That is very fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some conversations with Rob, one of the founders, and so uh, he's uh, he's uh, the CEO. Rob's still the CEO, I would think. Rob Villeneuve is our CEO, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, so I, I had a little insight before our conversation, but but yeah, please, uh, please continue on with the answer. <laughs> yes, Rob and I both speak very uh, vulnerably and honestly and, and passionately about this subject because we certainly did find ourselves at the helm of um, a culture that wasn't good. And, you know, when I say it wasn't good, it's like you you kind of don't know what that means. But for us, it was disengagement. It was the opposite of everything I just described. Um, there was negativity and frustration and people either not knowing where to take those things or how to have them responded to in, in an effective way or the response wasn't there. Um, and I think ultimately what we had was a climate where people didn't feel trusted or empowered. And because of that, we're just really disengaged. Um, mm. And unfortunately, as, as Rob and I, sometimes I actually read the whole thing on stage, but we, we really <laughs> discovered that um, as part of a leadership team meeting when we were all sitting together one day and I had heard of Glassdoor. This was back in 2015. Okay. Um, so it was, it was a few years back and this Glassdoor thing was kind of starting to take off. Like, oh, let's go check out Rebel. And we just, we found about 15 of just the most disheartening reviews ever. I, I remember that day I cried reading them. Uh, it was just so upsetting. And I think the thing that was so upsetting about it wasn't just what was being said, but it actually comes back to that recognizing that culture when it's right and, and when it's wrong too, I guess, is yeah. it is a reflection of you. So to have something sure. that, that felt so far from what we felt we were at our core and sort of to recognize that that was what people were experiencing was very disheartening, but, um, but also kicked off some amazing work. Um, and now I'm like such a corporate culture geek, if that's not, <laughs> uh, and you know, it really led to not just the most rewarding work of, of personally for my career, but also, um, certainly, a uh, new type of kind of secret sauce against our competitors. And, and that's very much been the foundation of Rebels growth since that time. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the rawness of what you just experienced there. And I've got a comment and then a question. The first comment is, is that, you know, most organizations who would look at that, those reviews would say, okay, we got to throw stuff at them, give them rewards, mm. kind of incentivize them to come back. Uh, please, please, please turn into begging because it's a quick fix. What, the strength that you guys did is you said, no, this is not a quick fix thing. This is a longer term uh, DNA thing that we need to address. And so I really applaud you guys and your leadership to suffer through this <laughs> first little while while you were going through those cultural adjustments. Because it's like, it's like um, I don't know if you have children, but I do. I want to fix it. Yeah. I want to stop the pain right away. And, and so, uh, so good for you guys to be able to do that. Can you talk? 
talk about some of the of the other signs, Yana, that were happening in Rebel that uh, that our audience could say, okay, I can see that happening in my company too, and maybe I need to realign, reconnect with uh, what we're doing. What were some of the signs besides the the reviews that uh, that you really said? I you know that there's something here. There's something uh, problematic here. Mm, um, you know, we were very much ahead of the game in terms of the perk side of culture. So even at this time, Rebel had kegs in the office and we had laundry, you know, laundry machines in the office and free food (laughs) and um, all these amazing things that on paper really created the tone for an incredible place to work. And it wasn't that people were not grateful for those things. I think, I think they were, but it was, we were such a perfect example of the difference between perks and culture, you know, and having a ping pong table is a cool perk, but it's the battle that's played every single Thursday at 3 PM, you know, (laughs) so religiously that someone built a dashboard to keep track of who's winning. That, That parts the culture and we didn't have that. So what we had was a really huge and ugly piece of office furniture. Right. You know, and I think a lot of, a lot of it. So there was some communications challenges and just disengagement and lack of, um, lack of the give a damn factor. And then I think the Mm. other more visual side of that was things like giving out swag that wasn't worn to the extent you might expect it to be worn or having those perks that just kind of sit there and exist, but they don't really turn from perk to culture. Mm, I love it. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of saying that business is a dating game. At least initially, uh, the idea is to get to a marriage. But <laughs> yeah, we I, when I talk about it, I always talk about it from a customer perspective, and I don't talk about it from you know the team member perspective. And so I, I, I and I, I just an aha moment there that yeah, you got to you got to emotionally connect with the people that are that are taking you to where you want to go or helping you do that. So uh, so thanks for that. Uh, for that, um, uh, I'll call that uh, aha moment for me. I think it's uh, it's pretty important. So, as a leader, you know, where do you start when rebuilding and reshaping company culture? And it kind of ties into the aha moment you guys had. And, and and you know, what is the leader's role in making sure that that they're successful in doing so? Again, a two part question. But it, let's go back to how did you move forward from that time with with the uh, reviews and take. A on a six month journey, if you could, please. Mm, Yeah. Um, again, I think I started by saying as a leader, you're not always aware of how critical your role in creating culture is. And the first thing was really recognizing that and recognizing that this wasn't going to organically happen without, um, leadership really taking the lead without modeling what it was that we wanted to see. And, um, you know, we, we read those reviews and within a few days we had really resolved to, to turning things around and knew that we would need the entire team to do it as much as you are the one leading it. It's not something that you just set and, and forget, you know, it's not a strategy. It's something that has to organically live and continue to always be, um, worked on and considered. So we, uh, within a few days, we had a big town hall with our team we actually chose to read every single one of those bad glass door reviews um, to our team. Cool. Yeah, knowing you know they were hard to read. They they said a lot of 
um, not nice things about us and about the company and knowing that we were reading them to the people that had written them in many cases. Um, but felt like that was a really great way to start right away to model the kind of vulnerability and authenticity and kind of courage we recognized was going to be required to make the kinds of changes we wanted to make. I'm going to interrupt you for a sec, if you don't mind. Um, I specifically want to talk, what was the mood of the room when that started to happen? And then I want to know what was the mood of the room after you went through what you did next? Oh, I wish I knew the answer to that. I think my heart was probably <laughs> pounding so much myself. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, I think surprise initially, and obviously we had arrived at the place we were as a result of not doing things like that. So right. I think it was surprise. And then I think um, hopefully was met with a level of, oh, okay, these guys are serious. And we did that in order to make everybody really aware of the commitment we were making to change and also to be able to ask them to help do it it with and and contribute. And it was very much a message around, um, validating how people felt and how things had been up until then, and really asking the team to come together and support us in, in no longer accepting that as the norm. Right. So you had a family, you had a family gathering. You said, gang, we got an issue. There's an intervention. <laughs> yeah, there's an intervention happening. It's with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's cool. And, you know, it was really great. I think that it immediately changed the tone. And we mm. learned very quickly that passion runs strong in people. And when somebody is frustrated or disappointed um, and, and they're quite vocal about it, that same person when they feel seen and heard is equally vocal in a positive way. Right on. You know, so I think being able to model some of that vulnerability and just having that courage and giving people our attention and really hearing what they were saying and finding different ways to listen, which is absolutely the very first thing we did. We gave so many new ways for feedback to come to us and we just sat back and listened for about a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and read every single comment and gave anonymous channels and non-anonymous anonymous channels and you know coffee time or whatever every single way we could listen we just listened and gathered it all um and then through that started to identify and ask the staff also where were the highest leverage areas for us to focus and mm-hmm. started immediately to make traction where we could and just knew pretty early on it was going to be a long haul but that if we stayed focused on it we actually had the team support very much because everybody wants to work in an awesome place to work. Sure. Yeah. So what did you, did you have a situation, Yana, that you said, okay, this is an overriding theme, but it's really conflicting strategically where we want to go. Or you, or did you just say, you know what, I'm hearing it, I'm hearing it. And culture is so freaking important to us that we're just going to ride with this and, and hope that it aligns back to our strategy. You know, we did a really interesting survey thing early on in this where we took the six areas where we thought might be the challenging spots, things like um, vision, leadership, communication, accountability. Uh, I can't remember the other two right now, but, you know, of that vein. And um, and we surveyed ourselves as a leadership team out of 10 and where we thought we stood on those points. And then we anonymously surveyed our staff and it was really interesting to see 
the difference in those two assessments, but also the places where we were either collectively scoring really low or where there was the biggest gap in perception versus the staff's perception. Um, those were the areas we focused on. And that's what you consistently focused on, on in order to move forward. I would think it wasn't just, um, yeah, it wasn't just, I'll do this, I'll do this. There was those overriding themes. Absolutely. And we continue to, uh, I mean, we, you know, we tackled the one that was obviously the most important first and, and continued down through the list. Um, and to this day, we continue to, you know, five years later, um, evaluate ourselves and have the team anonymously evaluate us on those same six metrics so I that we can you, keep our, keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah. And do you, do you, I mean, do you, in that six month time period that I was referring to, did you, did you celebrate movement forward or did you just say, okay, we're going to do, what we're going to do. And then we're going to pick our head up at the end of the six months or, you know, how did, how did you, I mean, like, cause it's a great sell. It's a great story. Mm. It's a great freaking story. <laughs> and, uh, it seriously is. I, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think there's an overriding message here for our listeners, but how did you celebrate this this focus and the strength and ultimately the results. It it is a great story. It felt like a great battle at the time. <laughs> Which are typically great stories. <laughs> Hence Braveheart, one of my favorite battle stories. I don't I don't know that I would have in the moment said, oh, we're creating a great story here. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it felt like a battle. And I think we celebrated we quietly as a leadership team celebrated when things started to feel good. Um, when we read those glass door reviews and asked the team to support us about two days later, half of them were gone. Uh, mm. And we, we absolutely by no means asked anybody to remove them or asked anybody to write new things or anything like that. So there were some indications like that. And right. over time and probably within that first six months, although I'd say near the end of it, um, we, we certainly had to prove ourselves and I think that that's very fair and we did. And, you know, Rob, Rob Villeneuve, our CEO, he used to count t-shirts and this was like, it was like t-shirts. t-shirts. Yeah. Like the, how many rebel t-shirts there were being worn on any day. And it was uh. like this secret little kind of metric we used and it was a total reflection of the pride that was starting to be built and the support and the commitment that people had to to changing it together and to creating something amazing together so we celebrated t-shirts you know if there was a day where there was like more rebel shirts than non-rebel shirts it was it was a really big deal to that's wonderful yeah but i don't think those weren't celebrated so much with the staff apart from being, being very conscious and aware and celebrating when anybody was willing to, um, to give hard feedback. Actually, we really, we celebrated any feedback and especially the hard feedback because it was important for us to create a space of trust to give all kinds of feedback. And we knew that, um, you know, to, to really close the gap between what was being said anonymously on Glassdoor and what was being said to us, that yeah. would be the key. I, I, you know what? I love the T-shirt uh, conversation for a few reasons. One of, one of them is because it was really, uh, you know, something that you folks shared 
internally amongst the leadership teams. And it was an easy one to measure, first of all. But second of all, it really, you know, shows pride in a brand. I'm a big New England Patriots fan, mm. huge, 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 you know, and I wear that uniform with great pride on, on football Sunday. And, uh, and it just, it, 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 it to me is a reflection on what the team gives to me, mm-hmm. not because the colors are cool or their logos are cool. And that's what you guys have done is people want to wear the uniform. They're pr- it's not the t-shirt. It's the uniform. Mm-hmm. It's the battle uniform. I'm on this team and I'm yeah. going to show it internally, but also externally. I, again, an easy lesson for our listeners to uh, understand. Um, you know, uh, we 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 in the startup world often pride ourselves in in having a cool and unique culture, and and a, in my in my opinion, a lot of us really really uh, just do uh, you know they, they talk about it, but they don't actually live it. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. You know, wear wear sneakers and cut up jeans and uh, and bad t- and bad t shirts because we're part of our own <laughs> culture. But I I think you know once you get it aligned, once you get into that strategy. Uh, you know, are there other are there any other things that you did as Rebel dot com that instilled uniformity uh, or rules into the day to day activities you did to make sure that you were executing on the six main uh, pillars, if I could call them, that you were on, on culture. Yeah, I think something that really as as we started to get a full grasp on just how much your culture is a reflection of the people, right? There's no two cultures the same because there's no two teams the same. And it is that really organic reflection of the people who are making up your organization. And we started to just like really, really celebrate what we kind of defined as contribution. So any contribution that felt like it was taking us down a direction or the path of co-creating that culture we wanted. Um, and it's funny now I look at our brand and we ended up sort of by accident creating an entire brand around contribution. And that's, that's what happened when it started to feel like it was authentic and real to us. So Mm. there's a few ways that stuff came out. I mean, I mentioned the perks not being culture and I think that that is so key, but because it's unique to the people in it, it's also things like office rituals, Ceremonies. And what were some of them? What were, give us some of them. Um, you know, we, Olive Rebel runs on Agile. I, I know your community is very familiar with that. Um, so, you know, we'd have team stand-ups and doing things like, um, you know, at one point we had this, I don't even know where it came from, like this big sword that someone had in the office and it was like you have to be wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute yana you don't know where the big sword came <laughs> I, from <laughs> i actually don't know um i actually don't know it was, i mean it wasn't a real sword but it was like a life-size style sword um, I can just imagine the, uh, I can just, sorry, I got to, I told you I would segue every now and then. This is one of those things. So it's new day for Rivers Corbett and he walks into Rebel and he's met by the big sword, huge sword, which the VP of culture has no idea what that's doing there. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I love it. Yeah. It was some, yeah. I, I mean, this is exactly the, this is exactly it, right? So at some yes. point this sword appeared and at some some organic way it became the rule that in stand up you had to be holding the sword. So yeah. like you know your 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 stand up ritual which is about work becomes 
this other sort of inside joke ritual. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, we were celebrating a milestone once and we had sold a thousand of something and it was a pretty big deal for us. We've been sort of tracking this number for ages. And finally, we see we're going to sell a thousand on this day and we're really stoked. And we go to somebody went to Costco and ordered a big slab cake and asked them to write a big one thousand on it. And, you know, we we had everybody gathered around and then we were revealing this cake and you open the box and it was like, (laughs) it looked like a piece of gray cement. And the number a thousand was like smaller than an iPhone. (laughs) <laughs> on this huge cake in like the, the, in like in the big one <laughs> in like really horribly written like red cake paint you know like it was it was just yeah. it was so funny and yeah. so just the like, big one thousand <laughs> but what's amazing is that that was oh man that was at least four years ago and every single cake that has come into our office since then has yes. been a challenge of being the worst cake you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's like, we just, we don't do nice cakes. We, yeah, that's it, so cool. You know, nice looking cakes are not in our culture. Really, really sketchy <laughs> looking cakes are in our culture. And I, those are the things that you can't, you can't read somewhere how to do that. No, no. And you can't just copy somebody else on that because it really has to be something that's authentic to you. So to get back to your question, I'm sorry, I'm going on a very weird, no, it's good. weird tangent it's good. here. I told you fireside chat. <laughs> We're on it. <laughs> you know, those those little rituals and those little quirks and those things that are the human bit of the culture you have and the experiences you've shared together. Those are the things that allow you to, um, come together and, and to feel that engagement and and get that kind of momentum going. So what do you do to train to be the the VP of culture? (laughs) Like if that's the job title you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one you, you've, because you, what's going to happen now is there's, there's going to be people that are listening to this, uh, this conversation. And I know you're the VP of marketing too, but that's an old one. That's an yeah, easy that's one. one. <laughs> yeah, so, but also you add in culture there. Um, you know, how do you had, cause people go, okay. It's <laughs> particularly stir. Okay. You're the CEO. <laughs> uh, you're the VP of marketing. Okay. You're the VP of what's left, uh, operations. And <laughs> Everybody walks away with a title. The guy or the girl that's a marketer has never done marketing. So (laughs) that's the startup scene. Uh, And so how do you get prepared to be really the VP of culture going forward? I know what you've done to date because of this great conversation, but what are you going to do going forward to make sure that you are the best on the planet and being in your role? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I did it. I always look for that point where somebody says it's a great question. <laughs> they're just buying some time to come up with an equally that's great all answer. Doing. Yeah, I like. I was told that once. To get, I'll give you some more time. There was a CBC radio <laughs> guy, and he, that's what he always said is when he got on stage once about. Uh, he said, "You know, when people say it's a great question, they're buying time." 
and I, I've been doing podcasts for three years, and I'm like, he's shattered my ego because I'm thinking, <laughs> I thought people really thought it was a great question. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll get real with you, Rivers. It's both right now for me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's very, very fair, my friend. Um, how do you make sure they're the best one? Well, I think it has to come from a very real just interest in this stuff. Um, you know, I think culture is emerging all over the place. We're seeing it more and more. And I think it's, it's because, you know, rebel rebel is this little example of something that's being amplified and seen everywhere, regardless of the size of a company. Um, and people talk about culture. They talk about things like, you know, um, attracting top talent and recruitment and reducing training costs and all these kinds of things. But I think to really exceed at it, it's, it's totally geeking out about it and really, 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 truly believing that one of the best ways to grow a company is to grow the people in it. Uh And, Uh and by, by changing your attitude of, you know, there, HR as a department that used to exist was about paperwork and maybe about some of these types of interpersonal issues that I think absolutely cross into the culture space in terms of how you engage with each other, no matter what part of an organization you're in. Uh, Wow. So I just keeping an eye on that, you know, we have, Mm. we have culture baked into our um, five-year strategy as a, as a goal, which means it's got, you know, specific initiatives, it's got a budget, it's got me who's responsible for it. Um, And so it's just, it's not a little side thing that moves along. It's just very much something that, uh, I know from, from the battle, <laughs> I, yeah. I know from the battle and I don't want to go into another battle and, you know, just how critical it is. And I, you know, we, on one hand, we talk about those, those ref, those costs of recruitment and kind of take culture with the HR lens, but drawing this big kind of ribbon around this whole conversation is having that marketing lens. It's like, no, our customers' referral potential is one of our biggest marketing assets. Wow. Mic drop com- comment. Seriously, mic drop. Love it. Keep going. Sorry. Applause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing up. It's a great comment. People forget about that a ton of times. Right. And, and our customers, you know, it's that engaged employees make engaging products, make happy customers, and then you get the customer referral and this dedication and this commitment. And, you know, as you're talking about loving Rebel, like we used to count Rebel t-shirts in the office. I'll never forget when I started to see people like skateboarding past me wearing them. Yeah. Nice. I think that's so cool. So cool. Yana, I could keep talking to you for a long time over this fire. Um, it's just been an, an epic conversation and, uh, and, uh, I, I love your brand. I love the people there. Um, say hi to Rob for me and, uh, just keep doing your magic. And with this one last question, I'm going to ask, what do you do on your spare time? Um, that's a great question, Yana. That's, that's what you're supposed question. to say. <laughs> what do I do in my spare time? Well, I have uh, a family. I got a six-year-old daughter who keeps me quite busy. Um, of course, I'm super into uh, personal development, meditation, all that geeky kind of stuff. And nice. um, and I, I do a lot of supporting leaders in this type of work, actually. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
It's kind of cool when you find your space, isn't it? It is pretty, pretty mm. cool. Well, Yana, I can't thank you again for your time. It's been a real honor of mine to uh, to have this conversation with you and uh, keep doing your magic. And we'll look forward to the, the next time we get to, to chat. Thank, thank you, you so uh, much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and, and us and uh, for all of your very great questions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern.